This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, beloveds of God. Thank you for joining me this week of November 16th, or whenever it is that you are listening. I pray that today, the reality of how treasured you are, how cherished, how loved you are by the King of all creation goes more deeply into your hearts, that you recognize His movements, and that He would give you specific gifts today that are personal to you so that you recognize Him and His love. With me today in the studio is Danita Janae. Welcome, Danita. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Stacey. I am so glad you're here. What's so fun is a lot of times I do these over Zoom, but um, Danita lives pretty close. So here we are face-to-face. <laughs> At least we're face-to-face. <laughs> I'm going to start just by reading your bio, just as a little way for people to get a beginning of a handle on, um, on you. So this is from both your website and the back of your fabulous book, When Mountains Crumble. Danita is a recent military widow and a young mom learning to carry joy and sorrow in the same breath. She believes you can find unshakable peace even when everything falls apart. A mother of two girls, she is a speaker, an artist, a prayer warrior and the author of When Mountains Crumble. Let me tell you a little bit about the book. This is from the back copy, but we are going to dive into it a little later. It says, Grief leaves us with empty arms and fistfuls of questions. If we don't get help processing our loss, we can easily get stuck there. But take heart. There is hope for the path ahead. When Mountains Crumble offers an interactive healing journey through the troubling questions and big emotions, Danita meets you in your sorrow with gripping honesty, reassuring gentleness, and surprising witty humor. Even when mountains crumble and everything you thought was stable falls apart, this book will lead you to the rock of our salvation and his unshakable peace. You'll no longer feel alone. That is so beautiful. And friends, let me just say right from the beginning, I highly recommend her book. One of the intentional things, at least I'm guessing it was intentional, is that it's written in, in smaller chunks, yeah, in shorter chapters. Because as you know, many people grieving find it difficult to read for a while. So her book takes that in mind, and it's so relatable. It's wise, it's kind, and it offers tangible helps, journaling prompts. It's truly like sitting with you in your home. It's mm -hmm. so full of grace and mercy and mm -hmm. hope. So first, thank you for writing it. And at the beginning, I'm so sorry for the loss of your husband, Dan. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to ask you questions about your book. We're going to get there. <laughs> but first, I just love to know more about you. And I'd love to know a little bit about your story with Jesus. Yeah. I'm just, maybe, would you be willing to share about when or how you began your life with Christ? Yeah, that's a super fun question. Oh, good. I, um, 
I actually, one of my first memories was I felt like I could see prayer come down. Like I could see light come down when we were praying at the wow. table together as a oh, kid. Really? Like really small child. Um, and then it wasn't until, gosh, towards the end of my high school years that we found this youth group. We had kind of um, church hopped my whole life, so we never really had like church family or. Did you were you moving or were you just like experimenting? Kind of both. Yes. So kind of all the things. Um. So when I was in high school, my mom was driving. She's like, Lord, like I need to find a church for my family. And she found this one church and she decided to wait until Mother's Day. She's very wise. And was on Mother's Day. She was like, okay, this is what I want for Mother's Day. We're oh, going to church. smart. Very <laughs> smart. Yeah. But that youth group, the leader, I call him legendary, but Tom Coffin, he um, would take us out on like rock climbing trips or we would climb 14ers or we went on wow. like week-long backpacking trips. Wow. And during one of those trips, um, he, for, he, he called it a 24-hour solo, but we all had split up in different parts of the mountain. And for 24 hours, we were just alone on the mountain. <laughs> and I remember that was when I was really thinking through like, okay, I don't want you to just be like part of my life. Like I want to give you my life, mm. Lord. And I really surrendered it then. and everything changed for me. Like I had such a potty mouth before and that changed. And I had so much anger and bitterness and God like really worked that through for the first few wow. years of coming to know him. And he just really set me free in a lot of ways. So that kind of began right before I left for college. And then it's just continued to be this beautiful unfolding of more of who he is. Oh, I love that. You're right. Your, yeah. your youth group leader is legendary. Yeah, he totally is. <laughs> and that's a really big ask to have 24 hours yeah. by yourself. Yeah. At what, 17, 18? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably, oh gosh, I wish I could remember. I was probably 17 about to turn 18. Was that in Colorado yeah. or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. right up close to Boulder. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So I love the way you said an unfolding, mm. this unfolding journey, because that's so real and that we never, we never come to the end. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, because sometimes people have their moment of faith and yes, you are, you are my savior. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes later it becomes, you're my Lord mm -hmm. of my life. Yeah. And then sometimes later than that, it becomes, you are the love of my life. Right. Right. It sounds like yours is kind of all at once. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's that's probably, I probably did know him as Savior much earlier in my life, but that was really when I was like, okay, now I want you to be Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. So, and then it wasn't until a few years later when, it's interesting, like right after I became a believer, I fell into all this legalism. Oh, yeah, that happens. Yeah. And so, well, plus I'm a firstborn and like type A at that time. And like, <laughs> yes, all the yes. Things. Do it right. Do it <laughs> I, right. I had a perfect little, uh, <laughs> a little uh, system there going for me. But the Lord broke that through teaching me how to swing dance. <gasps> and so that's really when he became more of the love of my life because oh, wow. he taught me to follow him. Oh. And that was an amazing experience. How creative of him. I know. He's so good. <laughs> 
What what was that story? How did you like go to swing dancing for the first time? Yeah. So after this is fun. I don't get to share these stories very often. After my first year of college, I felt like the Lord was like, "Don't put in your money." And I was like, "What do you mean, like, don't put in your money?" Yeah, that, that means like I don't get to go back. <laughs> like oh, I worked really oh, hard after the first year of college. After the first year of college. Okay. <laughs> and I remember I didn't even tell my folks. I just knew like this is what the Lord told me to do. So I just didn't put in my money, which meant I wasn't going back. And um, two days later, my dad came down with West Nile virus, oh. and we almost lost him. Oh my goodness! He um, was paralyzed, like <gasps> had paralysis on half his body, and God has healed him. Oh. It was miraculous! But that's when God also started healing our relationship and my relationship with the Lord. And that's when I went to a community college because I was home that year because I wasn't going back to my other university. Right, right. <laughs> and um, at that community college, there was a group of. People, and a lot of them all knew how to swing dance. And one of the parents, they taught us how to dance. And as they did that, the Lord just kept showing me, like, as I lead, you follow. And it's not scary. And you don't have to be in control. And it just was this very tangible picture of surrender for me. Yes. So it was beautiful. It was a good season. And then that's actually my first date with my husband was swing dancing. We really? love swing dancing. Oh. Yeah. So. Was he part of that group or he discovered that? <laughs> no, you... no. I met him years later. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. That is, I love, I love the dancing analogies. Yeah. I remember one of my first, um, was in 1998 mm. when I was at a conference and, and hungry for God, just so needing more of him. And not knowing him in, in a depth that I longed for, I loved him. I was his. But then this woman came up and just whispered in my ear, Jesus says, let me dance with you. Mm. What? <laughs> okay. So just learning. Well, what does that mean? The gentle touch, learning the, mm -hmm. so that he doesn't drag you. Right. Yeah. He doesn't body slam you into where he wants you to go. <laughs> right. Let's go mm -hmm. this way. Oh, that's good. Um, so tell us more about Dan. And your relationships, you, you, yeah. your years later. Yeah. After I graduated um, from college, he, I met him his first day stationed in town. So here in Colorado Springs. So I went to the hippie school Air down Force. the way. <laughs> oh, Colorado yeah, College? I did, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's where I ended up How graduating. How did I know? It was the hippie school. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then met this Air Force guy. So he was um, just truly dreamy. Like, mm. just... Yeah. He was truly more like Jesus than anybody I've ever met. And I've, lot of, I've met a lot of great people. <laughs> um, but he just, he was like youthful and, but also a strong leader and merciful and just this super unique blend of different I don't know you couldn't fit him in a box <laughs> mm, mm. um so just a strong gentle leader and adventurer he was an amazing dad and um just an incredible husband so just a real special guy mm. and you have two girls yeah take your time it's holy Yep. Yeah. yeah, we have two real sweet girls. Yeah. 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 How long were you married? Um, we were married 
numbers are not working for me today. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you how you're coming. <laughs> so, like, you know, you, know. <laughs> we stumbled into the studio this morning, both of us, and, you know, one of my questions, and, and I'm just getting to meet you. I've read your book, so I know a little bit. And also, I've heard about you from so many people that Aww. I love and respect. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so I was really happy. But I asked you, so how, how are you coming in this morning? And you said... <laughs> Um, that I was up since 2 a.m. for no good reason and <laughs> had a nightmare thrown in the middle of that. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how I'm coming. But yeah, mercy. Yeah. Mercy. And don't, you know, they're yuck. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. And sure. it's really hard to rally. So, Jesus, come with your refreshment and yeah. just your grace and um, pressure's off. I'll stop asking you years. Because <laughs> I'll probably not be able to answer. There was a time that we got married. Yes. And it was very good. Very good. Was that here? or where, Yeah, where? actually. Yeah? yeah? So was he from here as well? Or? No. He, he grew up in Texas. I grew up in Texas. Um, and he had always dreamed of being stationed in Colorado. So I met his. I met him his first day stationed here, which was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. A reward for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. And um, it was 2019 mm -hmm. that you was, mm -hmm. we don't know, but he died. Yeah. 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 We moved here in the summer of 2019 and we're here for just about six weeks when he passed what? away. What? Mm hmm So we were in the middle of house hunting and like trying to find you know, schools, churches, all the things. It was a community. Right, yeah. It's devastatingly hard anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. So in your book, you help people who've lost someone dear to them. And yes, when mountains crumble. <laughs> crumble. Yeah. And it's also, for those listening, it's also for people who want to come alongside someone. Mm -hmm. So you get a, you get practical and creative ways and, and all of it to how to draw near to God in the midst. Jesus is front, center, middle, above, below, <laughs> around, the only. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want it take you all the way back. I don't want to, but, but in the midst, <laughs> yeah, let me be real clear. In the midst, um, in those, in those early days, mm -hmm. weeks, months, what was one of your, or what was your go-to? How did you cling, hang on, move? Because it's not that long ago now. We're only talking three years. Right. It feels like a hundred years ago and it feels like yesterday. Um, what did I cling to? Before we lost him, we had been through a several year season of me fighting for my own life. And that was when I really kind of got to the point of like understanding very deeply that even when my faith completely bottoms out, God is still faithful to me and he's still there. Even if I don't, if I, even if I can't feel like I have enough faith to hold yes. on to him. Yes. It was just this real deep understanding that he was there for me. And so I think that was one of the things that I just, because that was so sown so deeply, I just, there was kind of this knowing that he wasn't going to leave me. And that really did help. However, I mean, 
there's no other there's no other way to explain it like when something like that happens you're like god where are you <laughs> yeah so it was kind of like i knew deep deep down that he was right there but at the same time i was like you ditched me too like <laughs> where'd you go and so it was this real battle of you know even just trying to find god's presence and and try to understand um where he was but i think that i had been through so much tragedy and loss prior that it kind of was this place of like there's nowhere else I could go. I know nothing else is going to work. Like, I could try numbing out. I could try doing this. I, you know, I could I could try these other things, but I just knew, like, Jesus was really going to be it. That was going to be able to hold me. So I love your sentence of when I've bottomed out, well, I don't have the faith. Mm-hmm. He's still there. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. Yeah. So what did you mean by your season of a couple of years? Yeah, I've had a long battle with chronic illness, and then God did like the miraculous and healed me. I had doctors telling me that I wouldn't be able to have children, and then He healed me, and I was able to have two children. And then it's like we would see total healing, and then there would be this other thing that would knock me down. Wow. And so then, by like my second or third health crisis, like you lose count and numbers, right? But when we lived in, we were stationed in Omaha before, right before we moved here. There was about three or four years, probably four years of just literally zero sleep, like maybe 20 minutes for an entire 24-hour no, period. No. Yeah, like it was maddening. Oh. <laughs> and you really do go crazy. And we were, we just really didn't know that I was going to make it. And yeah. so we were fasting and praying and fighting for my own life. And um it's it's really what taught my husband and I to learn to really fast and pray in a new level and together. So I would never have traded those really, really hard years. And I also think that they help sow that understanding real deep. There was something about that refining fire that I don't know how to explain it. It's like it it kind of carried over into this new season. And it was so interesting the timing because right before we moved was when God healed me. Mm. So for the second time or the third time, like he's done so much healing. But you were able to sleep. Yeah, I was strength. able to sleep. I was I was able to move. Like I could do my laundry again. Before I was so weak, I couldn't do my laundry. So when we moved to Colorado, that was one of my last like vivid memories with Dan is us hiking. And I'm like, honey, I'm hiking. I can't believe it. Like we're together and we're doing this as a family. Like I cannot believe <laughs> that life is this good and we get to hike. And I remember like I'd never seen the cactus blooming everywhere. Oh, like, it was incredible. Wow. It was so beautiful. And it just felt like, man, we made it. <laughs> and that was probably about two or three weeks before we lost him. So oh. it just feels like there's so much... I want to call it tragic beauty. There really is a lot of beauty in the story, but it's so painful. Tragic beauty is a stunning phrase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I think of the cross, too. I mean, that's tragic beauty right there. You know? Right. It's both. It doesn't get more beautiful and it doesn't get more horrific. Right. Yeah. It's it's like what you said about in the same breath. What are your words? Mm-hmm. Carry joy and sorrow in the same breath. That's true. Yeah. Tragedy and beauty in yeah. the same moment. 
Wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go to your book now. I have like a hundred questions and I <laughs> want to awesome. just go have coffee. <laughs> I, I really am aware that I am, I'm sitting with a woman of depth mm-hmm. and a walk with God that is weighty. Thank you. Um, I really found your book to be filled with so much grace and tangible wisdom. And I want to touch on a few specifics on it, just um, because you know it. You know it. <laughs> yeah. And the later, like one of the later chapters in the book is titled, When People Say Dumb Things. Yep. <laughs> mercy in that. <laughs> that. That you have mercy in that. Right. Because like, people say dumb things. Yeah. And you even end that with helping people write down. What were the dumb things, you know, and the hurtful things? And then with such mercy and honesty, leading them to forgiveness. I want to see. I'm going to see if I've got this highlighted. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Something else. (laughs) This is a different one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You guys, just all of it, all of it. So when I'm, you write with such honesty. So I'm just going to read a little bit, see if you're surprised. Um, From page 219. It's called When It Hits the Fan. (laughs) Did I mention I picked up swearing? I'm trying to quit. For a solid month or three, it's all a blur. The S word was a favorite. Needing better vocabulary, I asked around for suggestions. I sought wisdom from my mom, (laughs) my best friend, a few others. I decided that maybe I should start running instead of swearing. That lasted about five feet. I love that. Like, for real. Thank you. Like, you tried really, to get dressed. I like made it past one house. I was like, I'm done. It's not That's 20 feet. Come on. I don't know if they're that big a house. It's not just you. And I'm going, oh, it's not just me. Um, you continue. In desperate moments, when I'm at my wit's end, and I cry out, Lord, I just want fruit. If I have to live through this hellish time, I want to see the fruit of it. Essentially, I'm saying, God, make this worth it. I'm saying, come through big for me, because right now I'm knee-deep in manure, <laughs> which should be the S word. And then you say, ironically, cow manure is exactly what is needed to grow and produce fruit. And if you want green grass, chicken scat will be your best friend. Gardeners and farmers actually pay good money for this. We all actually need fertilizer to nourish the earth. This makes for the richest soil and best conditions for crops to grow. She talked about earlier how Joseph got dealt more, um, quote-unquote, fertilizer (laughs) than anyone else I can recall in the Bible, save Jesus. But he also saw more fruit in his lifetime than I can imagine. So now when I'm tempted to swear, I stopped using the S word and switched to the F word. Fertilizer! I love that. <laughs> did, did that stick? <laughs> Do you have to think now and, you know? No, I think I think I started saying furtakaki, which is this, like, Japanese seasoning that we put on spam. Like, oh. <laughs> it's a Hawaiian thing. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't know that that really. <laughs> no, but I love the honesty of it. Like, people swear. Mm-hmm. Christians swear, particularly alone in the car when the person cuts them off. <laughs> But we don't want to. Right, yeah. And asking Jesus for um, help yeah. there, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I remember my sister-in-law was mentioning that section. She's like, you know, 
we all started swearing after Danny died. <laughs> like, I bet. I, like, <laughs> I bet. It just feels good to know you're not alone. Like, not that it's really okay, but at some point, you just <laughs> you turn into caveman, right? Yes, like, yes. You're down to <laughs> yeah. And your va- vocabulary is limited, mm-hmm. and you're so mad. Yeah. One of the things that you dismantle early in your book, and I can say, you guys, just just start with the first chapter about grief 101. It's just boom, 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 and then it unpacks. Um, but you dismantle preconceived notions of what the journey of grief looks like, mm-hmm. and you give permission to every person to have their own journey through grief without comparison. Yeah. Why, why do you think that's important? Um, I think that when people start comparing, then they start, I don't know, there's this weird phenomenon of trying to put a report card on our grief. Am I doing it right? Like, yeah, or even people like, how are you grieving? Are you grieving well? Like, I don't know. Like, Are you grieving well? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it's pretty ugly over here. Um, but I think just like this understanding that everyone's going to be on a different timeline. The same family that, like my family, we all experience the loss of the same person, but we experience loss of a different role in our life. We experience loss of different ages in our lives. We all have different personalities and we related to him differently. So like, it's so different, even just in our tight little group of three. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So like understanding that, it just allows room for grace because it's it's really hard when people are struggling for 12 years and they're going to compare that to someone who seems fine after one. Like, you don't really know how they're really doing. And True. And there's no, there's no time stamp and there's no report card. It's If you're still struggling after 12 years, I feel like <laughs> that's okay. That's where you're at. That's your story. Yeah. And I know that God wants to bring in healing, but his timing is going to be different. And we're going to find you know, different experiences of who he is through that. Yes. So, yeah. That just feels so merciful to remove the pressure. Like the, okay, uh, yeah, I want to do this well. I want to do this right. And the shame that can come if you think I should be further along, Mm -hmm. but I'm not. I've talked with uh, many women who are trying to figure out the life they never wanted. And you don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's the big question. <laughs> and you've alluded to this already. But what have you come to know of God through the loss of your husband? Yeah. Take your time on this. Yeah. I um, The word defender is what comes to mind first. And it's interesting because our story was particularly... um. Not defended? Can I say it that way? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, well, we didn't have a community. We didn't uh, have a support. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have people rallying around us the way that I would have dreamed of that happening if maybe we were in a different duty station where we had already had such great community. Yeah. You know, like you yes. have these imaginations of like, well, why did this happen to happen here? And at this time, right. and, you know, we imagine these things. And I, so I can't tell you that that would have been true, but. We also had a particularly rough casualty experience with um, with the military. And oh. so I found myself often crying out, you say you're the defender of the widows. Like, where is your defense? That was one of my common prayers. 
um, where is your defense? And I, it's like, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that that's who he was and that's who he is. But I was like, where's the experience of that? So I think that one of the things that grief does allow us to do is experience God in a way we never would have otherwise. Right. So for me, I'm starting to see him be defender and I'm starting to see him coming through. It's just such a relief because it's like, I know this is who you say you are, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. (laughs) Not on my timeline, at least, you know. And so to start to experience those things, just it's kind of cool that I knew that's what I would learn before Uh, I really did learn, you know, like that's what I was kind of wrestling the whole time was this is who you say you are, but I'm not seeing it. How are you seeing it now? So a lot of restoration Uh, and just a lot of, yeah, that's the only way I can say it. Just a lot of restoration. And some of it isn't like wrongs being righted. Some of it is just me coming to a place of peace that even if it's not the specific wrong righted in that way, that he will, this understanding that he is going to write it in his own way in some other time period. Like, yes. I just trust that he will. Uh, but I, I just trust that he fruit. will. Yeah. I think that's a huge sentence. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And it's, it's, it takes work to get to that place, right? Not a lot of people can start with, I trust that you will. It takes a lot of time with him to get there, I think. Yes. Yeah. A lot of wrestling, mm. a lot of that ugly prayer and crying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that has to happen. Mm-hmm. I am going to read something else from your book. <laughs> this is from something earlier when you talk about the need to build a prayer team. Mm. I mean, having people come alongside and especially being in a new place, that doesn't mean they're next door neighbors or they're a part of your church. This is right. You're reaching around. So this I'm gonna read. You know those moments where you feel like you should be drowning, but somehow you're not going under? <laughs> There's a stamina and a peace you can't explain. I call these moments walking on water. This is one hundred percent because God is gracious. And because someone is praying for you. (laughs) Some days we can almost tangibly feel the prayers of the people. When my husband went missing, I immediately started a text thread to reach out to the praying people I know. I've kept that thread, letting people know how to pray us through some troublesome waters. I've been very candid with my group. Sometimes I offer lament, other times I offer praise. Most often, I just give them ways to pray. I encourage and thank them for their prayers often because I don't want them to give up. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, how important has that been for you? Yeah. I mean, without a true group of people that could surround us locally. Yes. Because also, not only were we new in town, but it was just a few months later that the pandemic hit. Oh, bad timing. So, <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow. you know, whammy after whammy. Um, so during, during that time, the prayer group, I mean, these people are from all the duty stations we've ever been a part of, like they're from all over the world. So that group really became at sometimes the only community I had, I'm very honestly, and they, um, they just rallied 
in prayer in a way that I'm sure was even more than I knew, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think everybody was always like, I'm praying when they were praying. Yeah. I just, um, it's amazing the sense of being prayed for. Like you can really tell sometimes like, whoa, someone's praying for me. Yes, exactly. And there were days where I was like, it really does feel like walking on water. Like I know I should be completely going under, but somehow I'm upright. My clothes are on the correct way and I'm walking out the door. Like how on earth? And I just knew I could feel those prayers. So I I really can't imagine what it would have been like without that network. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely encourage people to start that because I don't know what it's like to have your community around you during that time, but I feel like just having this other group because everybody can't do everything. Right. There you go. Right. So we have to have different people filling in different needs. Yeah, it was just really special to have a specific group that I knew was praying. Mm. I think that's really important, period. You know? Yeah. And whether you're, and part of a church community where you're living or not. Yeah. Yeah. We need people to come along that we know are championing us. And and then your encouragement is at the end, you're like, who can you be praying for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was amazing when I met, I met my first person who had lost, he had lost his wife maybe a week after I lost Dan. Oh. And I actually was a friend of um, his wife through Facebook. And so that's anyways how I connected with him. But when I found that out, I was like, what? And so it was so amazing because I had no ability to articulate a prayer for myself or my kids at some times. I couldn't even think about how to ask God to step in. Mm -hmm. But I could like go to town praying for somebody else. Wow. I would pray for him and his kids. And I just knew like... At the end of those prayers, I would always say, oh, yeah, and could you do that for us too? (laughs) But it was just this amazing grace to be able to pray so specifically for someone else. And since that time, I've met countless, like honestly countless widows. And it's just amazing to be able to pray for other people and then to be able to say, could you do that for us too? Because sometimes we just can't for ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Um, turning a corner to begin to close our time together. Is there, besides telling people, read the book, get the book. <laughs> you, we can't possibly touch, you know, we've just tied like two pages of the book. So mm. anything that you would want to say to, we're primarily speaking to women today. And I know that there are women out there that are in various stages of grief. Is there anything that you would want to say to them? So I, I feel kind of speechless because mm, yeah, I think when you are in that place, like I really wish I could just, just give them an actual real hug and this understanding that, I mean, as we prayed in the beginning, just you and I, like this impartation of peace, like I just would ask the Lord to impart peace over these women because at some point, there's no words that can comfort in the way that his presence can. Right. So I think that's what I would that's what I would wish for them today is the ministry of God's presence. Amen. Yes. Yes. Um, those listening, I want to tell you that Danita also has a website, danitajanae.com. 
There's also WineMountainsCrumble.com, which is easier to spell. <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank you. And mm-hmm. we'll put both of those links in the show notes so that you can look at that. I've been on there and gleaned so much from all kinds of things, how to anoint your home. <laughs> I think there's a ton mm-hmm. in there. Just a, a, a woman of deep wisdom, profound authenticity to walk alongside in the midst of, of the worst and finding the God who is the best. I, I, if, do you feel up to praying for the people that are listening, or do you want to pray your last prayer from the book? What would, <laughs> what would be good for you? Um, yeah, I'll pray. Oh, I'll wonderful. That would be great. Oh, God, I just thank you that um, in your presence it's just such holy ground, and I feel like we are in such holy ground with you. I thank you for the gift of grief. I thank you um, for your promise that the days of our sorrow will be ended. They're not going to last forever. And I just ask that you'll release hope, um, hope that 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 day will come when the sorrow, the deep, heavy, heavy sorrow has ended. God, I ask that you'll release peace over each woman listening, that she would not even be able to explain it, but this peace would surround her. That's from you, Jesus. And I pray that you'll release that today. I thank you for your mercy over us. When we are completely falling apart, you still hold us together. And when our faith bottoms out, you're the rock that's deeper still. And I just ask you, God, to be the stability, be the constant source of stability for each of these women. Be their rock. Show them practical and prayerful ways that they can hold on to you. And when they have no strength to do that, give them this deep knowing that you're still holding them. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. And I just pray that you'll give us eyes to see that even when we don't feel it. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, and amen. Oh, I know that this podcast has blessed you. It has me. So friends, today, may you know you are held in the gaze of our captivating King. Until next time, bless you. Bless you.